so it's good to see you guys. Uh, looking forward to what God's going to do in this time. Uh, we've got a beautiful weekend outside, and uh, looking forward to, to just what God's going to do in the rest of this day. And uh, just thank you for being here. If this is your first time at Fathom Church, let me just welcome you. I pray that you have just an amazing encounter today, not just with uh, kind of a religious organization that you might come in with that mindset, uh, but you would have an incredible encounter with the Lord and with people around you and just grow in relationship. And uh, let me tell you about a couple things coming up this week that are really important that I really want you to be a part of. One is this coming Wednesday night. We only have a few of our summer nights events, which is what we're doing for our anchor groups. Now, a couple times a month, we get together and uh, dive into discussion and kind of devotional type men's and women's groups. And we've got a few of those left, but to kind of close out our Sabbath month, um, we're just doing like a game night. So just come this Wednesday, seven o'clock, and just come hang out and play games. Like, wouldn't that be fun just to break up the monotony of the week and just get together with the church body? So we're just going to be in here and just have a game night, bring your favorite game. We're probably going to be giving away some games, which will be fun. So uh, we'd love to see you here this, this Wednesday as we're kind of heading into the, the ending of our summer nights uh, season. Uh, and then next Sunday, next Sunday at 4, everybody say next Sunday at 4. You guys are good. Next Sunday at 4, everybody say that with me. Nailed it. Nah, that's what I'm talking about. Um, we're doing our DNA sessions, uh, and I'd love to see you out for our DNA sessions. Even if you've gone through it before, we're encouraging everyone to come back through it because we've totally redone it, and it's just a good place for us to find kind of common ground uh, with the church. And where this, when we started this, our DNA sessions were not like a formal membership process. <clears throat> They are now. So if you're new here, the first session kind of walks you through just uh, our mission, our beliefs, our vision, what God's doing here, answers some of your questions. And the second session is really about getting you plugged in, getting you connected where uh, God can use your gifts. Uh, and so we'd love for you to be here. It's not just like someone up there lecturing. There's video. Um, we get some things just involved with your personality and your gifting. So trying to help you find out what God's doing in your life in this season. So we'd love for you to be a part of that. And then anybody that wants to, we all go out to dinner after that. So it's just a good time to connect, good time, good time to be together. So next Sunday, 4 p.m., you guys nailed it. So let's start this morning off with a quick pop quiz. Isn't that what you love, like when a teacher does that? Let's do a pop quiz. It isn't anything that you're going to be tested on. It's actually stuff that's um, just, you know, statistical stuff. But um, having to do, we've been in this whole series, Unplugged, so everybody's got your phone. How many times do you think the average American, you and me, how many times do you think we check this? A day. 164? So you, let's, let's kind of work the math for a second. We're, there's 24 hours in a day. We're all on the same page there. We were usually awake for 16 hours, some of you 20 hours, some of you a lot less. Say 16 hours is rough. So Actually, 150 times average American checks their phone. That's about 10 times an hour that we're checking our phone. It's like we're waiting on the million-dollar check or the call from the president to come through, right? Like we're just checking the mail. It's got to be coming in. Some of you guys do like refund checks coming in. We're checking the mail every 10 minutes to see uh, if it's there. 150 times a day, pretty crazy. Um, all right, let's, let's go to the next question. Let's keep, keep the pop quiz real. How long do you think we spend on our smartphones each day? And I, I know it's subjective, but we're just talking averages of here. Averages, if we check it 150 times, three hours, two hours, anybody else fancy guesses? Eight hours. That sounds really intense. Yeah. Yeah, precisely eight. Um, actually, yeah, it is right around two hours. You, you, you nailed it. Roughly uh, two hours. Some, some surveys say around there. Um, two hours a day, we're so connected to our devices. And that's a pretty new phenomenon, right? Like this, this, these little things have only been around for a little while, though we 
our life depends on it, right? And so we have very trouble like unplugging from these things. What about the, the more old school thing we, we've been connected to for a long time, our TVs? How about our TVs? How long do you think the average American spends watching TV? I don't know if this is before Netflix binge, um, you know, era. So three hours, I heard. What else? Anybody else? Four? Yeah, about four to five hours a day we spend watching TV. Let's play that out. That's two months a year. Two months a year we watch TV. By the time we're 65, some of you are close to that, some of you are over that. We've watched 10 years worth of television in our lifetime. And some of us are way more binge watching than others. And this is probably before Netflix era. These statistics have even kind of come to be. So it's possible that we'll have spent years of our life. And this message is going to be nowhere near saying to throw your phone in the river, in that retention pond out there afterwards, or to cancel your Netflix subscription. We're not that type of church. I enjoy Netflix, as do you. Um, (laughs) Some of you guys have no idea what I'm talking about. There's this thing out there where you can stream TV shows, and it's awesome. Um, That's not what this is, but it's important for us to know how connected we are to so many things And it's having a drastic impact on our life. This connection and these opportunities for connection, sometimes they're used for for not so good things. Uh, You may have heard about it in the news this week. I was listening to the sports radio of all things, and they, they started talking about this website called Ashley Madison. I don't know if you've heard this. So there's this website, and this is probably new knowledge for for most everyone in here, unless you've heard it on the on the radio. There's this website called Ashley Madison. Their slogan, the slogan they bear is, life is short, have an affair. Life is short, have an affair. It's a website built and designed, and I think there's probably an app for it, for, for married folks to get on and find someone to have an affair with. 37 million members on Ashley Madison. So this week, uh, it was hacked into, and they're threatening to like release everybody's information, uh, which is... Got a lot of people pretty nervous. 37 million members. Let me, let me play that statistic out for you for just a second. There's about 200, a little less than 220 million adults in America. 220 million adults in America. About half of those, 52% of those adults are married. 52%. It's about 113 million people are married, adults, in, in America. 37 million of that 113 million are on this website actively seeking. Yeah, absolutely. So, so some, of the, some of those statistics, it won't necessarily be people that, but again, the idea with an affair is that you'd be married uh, and, and looking for that. So the high majority of that percentage is going to be people who are in a marriage, actively looking outside of it. That's like a third. That's a third of marriages actively seeking, not even those that are just happening nowhere near the internet platform. And, and, and that is not really the, the sole purpose of today. It's to, to show that, that this, these places we're connected, we're really searching for something outside of our reality because we're not super happy about our reality. We're always trying to escape our reality, whether it be in bed with our spouse and we're both playing different games, which we do that sometimes. I don't know some of you guys that are married in the house. We do that. Had that happen, or, or if it's a, a group of teenagers or even a group of adults all sitting at the table, all checking their email, just completely disconnected to the faces that are right 
in front of us. And the saddest part of all, of all the time we spend checking our phones to see if the million dollar check's going to come up or, or, or the call for promotion or, and the time we spend binge watching television and then all the time we spend working, what time do we have to disconnect from all these things and connect with the Lord? We have trouble hearing the Lord and we complain why God's not speaking to me. Well, we never stop. We never stop, and we're so enslaved. I actually heard another statistic just to talk about our financial enslavement because a lot of us mortgage, you know, computers, TVs, cell phones, and you name it, just to have something to, and some, we need some of those things for our life, right? But other things, like we're just, we're mortgaging our future. And I heard a statistic that just a couple of days ago that said that, that there's about, I think, $30 billion, $30 billion American dollars spent in overdraft charges every three months. $30 billion every three months in overdraft. We are hungry, and, and it's never satisfied. And the Sabbath, of all things, is about finding satisfaction and pleasure and enjoyment, not in everything else, but in the Lord, not in, in a career gain or anything else but in the Lord, learning to find rest in Jesus is really what it's all about. And so we're going to dive into the scriptures and, and unpack really just a couple verses, and I'll have some supporting scriptures. But we're going to go to Exodus chapter 31 today. We're going to look at two verses. Exodus chapter 31, unpack two verses. Then the Lord said to Moses, say to the Israelites, you must observe, observe my Sabbaths. This will be a sign between me and you for the generations to come so that you will know I, that I am the Lord who makes you holy. I want to read that last sentence again. This will be a sign between me and you for the generations to come so that you will know that I am the Lord who makes you holy. I want to unpack just that sentence for us today um, as we kind of close off our Sabbath series. And again, the whole purpose of taking a whole month to teach through this is that these four weeks that we spend just hammering, stop, trust the Lord, find freedom in the Lord, is so that these four weeks would inspire the next 48 to, to be more trust, trusting of the Lord, to find more freedom in our walk with him. So let's break this down, and let's begin with this idea of between me and you. God's saying to Moses and the Israelites, this is between me and you. And before we dive into that, let me, let me just tell you, this text, if you read around it, if you begin to read the context of it, when, when uh, God says this to Moses, he means it. When he says, observe my Sabbaths, because right after this verse, some of you will find this just mind-boggling and really, really intense because it is really, really intense. And, and God says to Moses, anybody that breaks the Sabbath should be put to death. They're like, whoa, 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 whoa. Wait a second, God. Someone that breaks the Sabbath, and so in the New Testament, we, we now have a, a view through Jesus into the Old Testament, okay? That's why we have Jesus, is because we couldn't stand under that law. But God's showing them that we can't stand under that law, and he's putting an exclamation mark at the end of these sentences and saying, look, you got to listen to me. It's very important to me that you trust me because I want you to be a people that are set apart, I want you to be a people that are unique. And I called you into relationship. Before there was ever rules, it was about the relationship we were walking in. So he says, uh, this will be a sign. This, this Sabbath will be a, 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 a sign between me and you. 
So let's unpack this relationship between us and the Lord. Let's take it from Moses and Israel, and let's, let's bring that to home to us today. Most of us, we, we kind of say this, like, well, my relationship with God is really about me and God, right? No, no one can judge me. No one, it's really between me and God, and, and that's, that's perfectly true, but it's not fully true, which we'll unpack in the next thing, uh, in the next point. But really, this idea about between me and you, many times we use many other things in our life, situations or people, to excuse a lack of faithfulness on our own part. Because it is about us in God, but really when we get down to it, there's so many other things involved that kind of seem to get in the way. And we either use them as excuses or they turn our focus off what's most important, our relationship between us and God. Would everybody kind of stay with me like that? It's like numero uno importance is our relationship with the Lord, but many times all these other things tend to distract us or to, to make excuses. Um, and, and there's a, a passage of scripture I want to bring into play here uh, that's found in Colossians um, chapter 2, uh, verses 16 and 17. And Paul's actually speaking to the church here, um, and he says this, Therefore, do not let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink or with regard to a religious festival, a new moon celebration, or a Sabbath day. They had so many festivals and religious observances. Sabbath was one of those. And uh, they had certain things that they could eat or drink. He's not necessarily saying, you know, um, you know go sit down and tear up a bag of Cheetos. Nobody can judge you. <laughs> Which, anybody else? Okay. Sorry, it's just me. Um, these are a shadow of the things that were to come. The reality, however, is found in Christ. Go back to the, the verse 16, because really, I think we take this verse, this idea of nobody can judge me, and Paul's saying this to the church, no, let no one judge you concerning these things, and we kind of expand that to walk in hypocrisy. Because what we end up doing is like, oh, this relationship between me and God is between me and God, no one can judge me. This is, this is between me and him, and then many times we go off and we use that as an excuse to go do what we want and not walk in the truth of what God's called us to. And in that, we actually forsake, we actually spit in the face of the grace that God gives us by saying, yeah, and, and what we find ourselves doing is turn around and saying, don't judge me, don't judge me, you bunch of hypocrites, when we're the one that's taking off and diving in sin. Are you guys tracking with me? That many times we can use all these other factors when it really is about us and God. And so I, I think we have to move away from this selfish mentality that is true. It is between us and the Lord, but there's also so many folks involved, and there's a lot of factors in our life, and ultimately, it's about God and us, not us and God, if we can just change that small thing in order to get us away from a selfish mentality. Look at Isaiah 58, and it'll help me explain this, where I fall short. Isaiah 58. Uh, if you keep your feet from breaking the Sabbath and from doing as you please on my holy day, if you call the Sabbath a delight, and the Lord's holy day honorable. And if you honor it by not going your own way and not doing as you please or speaking idle words, don't take these as opportunities just because it's between you and the Lord and walking these things out on this day to just do as we please and to walk in our selfishness. Then you'll find your joy, or others' uh, translations say, delight in the Lord. And instead of escaping and trying to escape reality, we'll actually find that joy in the Lord as we observe the Sabbath, as we learn to rest wholly in him and not running on our selfish path, we'll find delight in the Lord. And uh, again, the text says right there in, in Colossians, 
Um, well, and let me finish this. And I'll cause you to ride in triumph on the heights of the land and to feast on the inheritance of your father Jacob, for the Lord, uh, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. This inheritance for generations to come again is coming in here uh, of what we see in Exodus 31. I, I think it's so important that we grab a hold of this idea of that the Sabbath is is a time to rest and to find delight in the Lord. That, that, that this thing is, it is. In, in the, the purest sense of communication with the Lord, we can't let all these other factors that happen in our life, situations out of our control, things people say to us, uh, insecurities we have, we can't let those get in the way of our relationship with the Lord and allow us to push us in this way where we make excuses uh, and, and we're not solely focused on this relationship with us and God. What is God doing in my life right now? Am I walking with him? Am I finding my joy in the Lord, my delight in the Lord, as I'm learning to rest in this one day that spreads into all of my life. God doesn't want us to get six days of running in a selfish pattern before we slam on brakes and say, hold up, hold up, hold up. Am I running my race or am I running his race? Am I resting in him or am I resting in my strength and what I can do? Every, it's, it's, like, it's a pattern because he knows we're prone to wander and he brings us back in here. It's very important that it's a part of our life so he doesn't say, this is going to be a sign between me and you for the generations to come, for the generations to come. When, when, really, the title of the sermon is The Life and Legacy of Sabbath Keepers. The Life and Legacy. So this life we're leading um, and the legacy uh, of Sabbath Keepers. And the idea of legacy sounds a little bit arrogant. Like, I'm thinking about my legacy, you know? Like, it does sound a little bit like that. And for many of us, we can kind of push away from that. But... Honestly, I, I think it might be a, um, the truth of the matter is that we're all having an influence and we're all having a pa- an impact beyond this life, either small or great, um, with a few people or with many, we're all going to leave uh, some kind of mark. I mean, it may not be in history books, but we're leaving some kind of mark and influence on the people around us. And so I, I would venture to say that it's not a prideful thing to do it. I don't want to say it's an ignorant thing not to to think about it and say, like, what kind of impact am I having? Like, is it, because all of us, we want our life to, to matter. And I think this is where it draws us into for the generations to come, that, that what God establishes in the Sabbath is not just for me and you. That is true, but it's also for the generations to come. All of us have been handed down some kind of legacy, some things that we want to leave far, far, far in the past maybe a few things that we want to be a part of our family. We want to be a part of our life and our legacy. But we all pass something down, whether we have children or not, to our coworkers or, or whoever. So for the gener- generations to, go, to come, we must observe and know that there's this impact far-reaching beyond ourselves. Unless you live on a completely deserted island, you're having an impact on people around you. And I don't think anybody lives on a completely deserted island. Even Gilligan had the professor and Mary Ann and, and the skipper, Mr. and Mrs. Howell. Like, they, there's this connected, even on the deserted island. And even if, like, you, you don't connect with a lot of people and you work in a cubicle and, you know, whatever, if you work alone, you, you are connected and you are having impact. And I think that's what God is saying to Israel at this time because they were in, like, this mass communication era that we're in now. Everything was traveled by foot and very slowly. Like, it's kind of hard for us to imagine that. Even in the most remote parts of the world, there's Facebook. Okay, I've been in some of those places, and they still have Facebook. Um, 
And, and so it's very hard for us to imagine a world that's not mass communication like that. But things were passed on. People, they did find what the neighboring nation was wanting to do. And God was setting Israel aside as his unique people. That he wanted something for them, not from them. And many times we look at our relationship with God when God's calling us to things um, in our relationship between us and him. When he's calling us to things, we start thinking, God, what are you trying to get from me? As opposed to, God, what are you trying to get to me? What are you trying to get to me? And he's wanting something not just for us, but for the generations to come. And, and, in my, and, and in my life, there's been some things concerning the Sabbath that I've broken in my generation that will have a lasting impact on my children. My dad was here earlier this month, and he confirmed that. Um, at the very beginning of this month, he started this series. Because they're breaking and setting a new pattern of trusting God, of finding freedom in him, that it all doesn't depend on me, but it all depends on God. There's a legacy of Sabbath breakers and there's a legacy of Sabbath keepers. We may not be aware of it. I think some of the legacy, you could probably fill in some of the blanks on what the legacy of Sabbath breakers are of just like uh, mom and dad or so-and-so didn't trust God. They, they trusted themselves. They worked really, really hard. I mean, I, I've heard it said before, who at their funeral in their eulogy will want to come up and say, dad really loved his job. Like, any of us, yeah, like, we'd hope not that would be all they could say. We'd hope that dad loved me, he stopped, and he took time for me. Um, mom slowed down enough to be with us. Mom, mom sat with us, and, and she took time to have fun with us. She had, took time for friendships. She took time to enjoy the Lord. She, she had a joyful spirit. We'd want the, that type of legacy and not maybe the other. That God, that, that, that uh, we put God first. We put family second, you know, and then let it inspire every, everything. Our son, Camden, some of you know Camden. He's, he's like a year, a little over a year and a half, and uh, he calls his phone the bone, and um, his phone is really just the remote control. He thinks it's his phone, but he does what mommy and daddy do, like immediately. He's one and a half years old, and he's got that phone and just running around the house, yakety yakking on his bone. They're watching. And even if it's not our kids, it's your coworkers. Even if it's not your coworkers, it's your family members. They're watching, and God is putting this lasting impression. He's saying, I want all the other generations, I want all the nations that are surrounding you to look at you, that you aren't even working seven days and you're growing and you're flourishing, and you have enough to eat, I want it to all point towards me. I want it to all point towards me. So it's for the generations to come. So we're to set that example in our lives. Uh, Titus talks about this, uh, the book of, of Titus. I believe it's chapter 2 as well, verses 6 and 8. Similarly, uh, encourage the young men to be self-controlled. It takes self-control to slow down, particularly if we're just naturally going, 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 and we don't know what it is to really just stop, whether that's physical or mental. We talked about that last week. There's both the physical, the mental, emotional, spiritual side of resting in everything. Set them example by doing what, it's, doing what is good. Let's just, we'll stop there right now. Set the example. Like whatever that is in, in your life right now that God's calling to, he's stressing on you. Set that example because it has an influence, not just in this generation, but for the generations to come. It's a sign to us, but also 
to the next generation. And uh, many of you are, are young, you know, such as I am in, in the room. We don't think of, about these things, but um, take them to heart and, and set an example no matter where you're at um, in trusting the Lord, in the Sabbath, in everything that the Lord's calling us to do. Let's continue on with, with the passage because I, I feel like it just gets fuller and fuller and fuller. It's a sign between me and you for the generations to come so that you will know that I am the Lord. Uh, years ago, um, I don't even remember the year, my, it's kind of evading me, but uh, God had started to stir. It, it was probably when I was 18 years old that God told me, like, hey, one day, as he was changing my major in college and many other things, I was, as I was meeting Taryn, he, he was giving me this vision for launching a church, for starting a church, um, like this, and um, I had a little bit of faith at that time, um, but I didn't have the faith necessary for that, and uh, years down the road, after I graduated school and was established and, and working uh, in, in a local church, um, God was kind of stirring this back again, and uh, many of you know I didn't tell Taryn when we got married that this was in my heart. I waited a couple of years, and like, let me make sure I get the hook, line, and sinker, and then we'll talk about that, so... Um, <laughs> I talked to her about it a year after we got married, and she cried, and it was not in a positive sense. Like, yes, the Lord told me the same thing. It was like, nah, not feeling it, man. Um, so I'm like, all right, well, now's not the time. So several years later, um, I just felt inspired to talk about it again. And that conversation and the, everything was, it was the Lord's timing. Like, I was doing something. We just didn't know what. And so we became very attentive to, to just the Lord's voice and just saying, God, lead us. And I've told it many times, but God just gave me the, the verse of Abraham that we started our last series with of go to the land that I'll show you. And that's a scary place. That's just an honestly scary place because you have no idea where the Lord's leading. No town, no, not even church plan. I didn't even know that it was church plan at that time. So anyway, I had very little faith. God was going to allow some things in my life and provide an opportunity to build my faith to walk out the calling um, on my life. Um, and it was so that I would know that he's the Lord. So that I would know that he's the Lord that's making these things happen. It was three things I literally had so little to do. Let me attempt to tell the story briefly. And I've told this before. Some of you have heard this before. Uh, but it's, it nails right home with this, this third point of uh, so that you'll know that I'm the Lord. Um, well, year, years ago, again, it was around Christmas time. I don't know if it's 2010 or 2011. Um, I guess it was 2010 going into 2011, I guess. And uh, I was sitting down. We were having this church function. There's this guy, a great, amazing Christian man, came up to me, sat down next to me, and he said, hey, um, the guitar store across town is uh, got sales on their Taylor guitars. I'm like, cool, I'll go check it out. And on my free time, I'm not a guy who just wanders around the guitar store, but he's like, you know, no, no, I really think you should go check it out. And I was like, okay, man, like, I get it. I'll go check it out. And he's like, no, you don't understand what I'm saying. He said, I want you to go. I want you to go pick out a guitar. I feel like the Lord's told me to buy you a guitar. And I was just like, wow, that's amazing. I had this old beater uh, that I've been playing since I was 16. And I was 20-something, much older than that now. I was probably, it was probably 10 years later I've had this guitar. And, and he said, the Lord told me to do this. Uh, I didn't ask for it. 
simple desire of my heart, always to have a Taylor guitar. So I just picture, you know, I'll get a you know, few hundred dollar guitar and thank you so much. And he said, no, I don't want you to just go get like just a little random guitar. He said, I want something that you can pass down to your kids. I want something. I want you to buy your dream guitar. That's what the Lord told me to buy you. And um, he said, go, go check it out tomorrow. So I'm like, okay. He didn't tell me a time to meet him or anything. So I go walking into the store. And literally five, ten minutes after I'm there, he comes walking in. And I'm like, dude, how did you even know I was here? I didn't know if he had like put like a tracking device on my car or had a friend in the shop or something that said, hey, he's here, come now. Um, but I looked around and just kind of overwhelmed by the whole experience and was able to actually pick out that guitar I'm playing. And all of my other guitars I've had and I, I do have um, are, are just pennies compared to, to the investment that man made into my life uh, in that time. And it was God really just showing me, I love you. When you're super excited about doing great things for me, before any of that, I just want to know, I see the depths of your heart, and I see the desires of your heart. God was starting something in such a loving, compassionate way to build my faith. So he, he met me in that. Um, and then, again, we weren't sure if it was church planning or doing music. We've, we've written songs and, and did worship and traveled and stuff. So we thought it might be something in that direction. And uh, God was stirring in this season, like, hey, you know, I, I want you to, to release a, a solo worship album. And this is the first time I, I'd done that. I'd done some other albums, but nothing to worship. And, um, and God put that on our heart. And, you know, Taryn was working part-time and, and wasn't making a ton of money, but God put this on our heart. And it's expensive. I don't know if you know anything about music and recording. It's super expensive stuff. And um, God put it on our heart to do it. And so I didn't know how it was going to get paid for, honestly. I just didn't, but I'm like, we'll make this step. And I was so ex- excited about it, I probably didn't even think through it. But uh, it took it two to three months to, to complete. And literally, uh, the numbers don't make sense. Uh, I won't go into the, the greatest details because I'm taking too long already. But God just showed up and just paid for that whole thing. And it was like no major gifts or anything, but somehow he, he took care of it. He took care of it and allowed us to walk in that. So it moved from this... I love you, I'm meeting the desires of your heart and building your faith into uh, something of your ministry. It's like, I know you personally, and I know your calling personally, and I'm going to use you and your unique giftings. And he wasn't even leading us in that direction. He ended up leading us towards church planning. Later that year, the third miracle, in my opinion, uh, as we walked it out, that happened. Uh, we had just had Beckett, um, our oldest, earlier that year. And there was a, a mission trip headed to Australia, the remote parts of Australia, not the beautiful touristy stuff, but uh, uh, the crazy stuff in which you travel four hours in the middle of nowhere in order to meet 25 people and do life with them for a couple weeks, like that kind of mission trip. Um, and uh, I was super excited about the idea of going to Australia. I had never been there. Sounds cool, doesn't it? Like, when you want to go to Australia? Sounds cool. Uh, it's a long way, by the way. If you ever want to go, just know it takes like forever to get there, like a day and a half of traveling. It's gnarly. Um, anyway, um, so this trip was approaching, and I, or initially I was like, yeah, I'd love to go. And so they kind of put my name down, right? Some of you guys have been there on this trip. Yeah, put my name down. I'd love to go. Uh, but then $3,000 to come up with it, it feels like a far reach, let alone when you have a nine-month-old firstborn baby that you're like, I don't feel comfortable leaving this my family for two and a half weeks. That's just like a lot right now, let alone just record the CD and like lots of money went out for that. Like, how are we going to do this? And um, 
I, it was one of those things I usually commit, and I'm in, and I raise lots of money, and we're good to go. Um, but I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. My heart just wasn't released to say yes. Like, so anytime someone would ask me, you know, like, we're still good? Like, people within the office that were in, in charge of it, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, I, and all in my head, I'm like, I don't think so. <laughs> like, I just don't see how it's going to work. I don't feel released to do it. Well, about three and a half weeks, three and a half, four weeks before the trip, somebody asked me that again, and I'm like, you know, I'm honestly not sure. Like, I haven't raised a dime for it. Um, I just don't feel settled to leave my family. It was just a hard, hard deal for first-time dad. And um, anyway, they're like, well, pray about it. Let us know. Like, we're still with you if you want to go. We just have the money. And a few days later, I literally was talking to no one about it because I wasn't even, I was more thinking I'm not going than I am going. Three days later, someone says, hey, awesome, man. I saw you got $900 in your account, like someone that's leading the trip. I'm like, $900? Like, I've literally, I didn't even know I was going, let alone someone else know I was going. And I haven't put it on Facebook or anything like that. And so this $900 came in. I'm like, babe, like, is this like a sign? Like, is God going to make a way for me to go? Like, would you be okay if that did? So we started having that conversation um, and so I'm like, okay, so we'll, we'll wait it out and like see what God does. And um, about a week later, after having this conversation and that first initial thing, this young single guy who's in the military um, calls me um, early, I think it was like a Thursday morning, calls me and said, hey man, uh, where are you at? I'm like, you know, just at my house, getting ready to head into the office. He's like, well, I, I need to meet you. God, uh, I've been up all night. God wouldn't let me sleep. I'm supposed to give you something. And I haven't seen this guy in like three or four weeks. Uh, he's in our college group, so he was like just out of college. Um, and he says, God, God kept me up all night. I need to see you. So I'm like, cool, sounds crazy, exciting, maybe, we'll see. And um, go and meet him, and he hands me $2,000 of, of cash. Uh, he said, um, I don't know if you're going on this trip. He said, I kind of feel like I heard something about that randomly. Um, he said, but uh, God's, this is for you to go. And so I had $2,900 of the 3000 and then I threw it on Facebook that day, and somebody else gave me $100, and my trip was paid for. Um, God was connecting and taking this thing of, I want you to know that I am the Lord, and letting that sink way down deep into my heart. And if you look through all three of those stories, I didn't, I didn't really do anything. God was bringing it into my life, and it was God wanting to prove himself to me so that I could ultimately walk in the faith that it takes to fulfill the call that he's, he's given me. And so that incredible, like, just miracle, the miracles that happened was the desires of my heart, God telling me he loves me, and then moving into this ministry aspect of how I was shaped, then ultimately into the mission. Because if you drive through uh, Australia, you can drive multiple hours to find a church. Like, there is a hungry people there that church, there's not ten churches on a street. Like, you'll drive hours, and the first church you may find may be completely heretical. Like, literally, that's the environment that you find. God wanted me to be deeply connected to people that were hungry for the Lord in, the, in my mission, and, and so we'd eventually get clarity in that time to, to plant a church. So, long story short, to say that God wants to prove himself to you, and it may not be with a super fancy guitar, um, and it may not be with the next album, and it may not be with a great mission trip that will transform your life. Uh, all those things sound good and fancy, um, but I believe that God wants to, to show up to you in, in the simplest of things and let you know, I, I see the desires of your heart. I, I hear the murmurs of um, your, your soul, 
and I'm shaping you, and I'm bringing you into the call that I've called you to, and so I want you to trust me. I want you to walk with me, and so much of that was just me being still and saying yes in my heart and letting God be God, and the Sabbath is that. It is being still and letting God be God and just learning to enjoy him and to delight, not just for us, and now that will be passed on to my kid. It's amazing. It's amazing. Uh, the last point really is, um, and the last thing the verse says is that, uh, that I'm the Lord your God, um, or I am the Lord who makes you holy. Remember like when we go back to how this whole Sabbath thing evolved, it started because God modeled it. In creation, God said, you know, on the seventh day I'm going to rest. Did God need to rest? No. Did he choose to rest? Yes, because he was setting an example. And remember, he blessed it and he made it holy. So he made an example, made it holy, and then he commanded us to keep it holy. He said, remember the Sabbath and do what? Keep it holy. So he modeled it, made it holy. He commanded us to, to keep it holy. And then here, the verse says, so that you'll know that I'm Lord, who makes you holy. He models it and commands us to keep it. And as we keep it, he makes us holy. As we keep it set apart, he brings us set apart. God does something in us in when we rest. When he made it holy, it, it's, there's this beautiful divine connection in the Sabbath, and it's not about even a certain day, day of the week. It's, it's about an ultimate life of rest in Jesus. And, and there's discipline, there's self-control into to shutting it down and watching God be God and prove himself. But he wants to shape us and he wants to set us apart and do incredible things in our lives. But we've got to get past the place where it's all about what we can do and not solely focused on the freedom that he brings us. And so today, again, I started on the whole device thing and the, how connected we are to these things. But ultimately, it's about Sabbath is about disconnecting, unplugging from so many things and connecting to the things that matter. Connecting, unplugging from some of our routines and, lock, un, and plugging back into our relationships. Plugging into the church. Plugging into our relationship with the Lord. Not on a weekly basis where it's this religious thing that just tires at some point. But something that's vibrant and relational that, that comes from the inside. That we just long to know him more. And we watch him do the incredible. We watch him show you and me that I am the Lord. I'm the Lord. And maybe that's just what you need to hear today. Just let God prove himself by saying yes. Let God prove himself by saying yes. And so if you're in this place and you just want to walk in faithfulness to the Lord, if you just want to draw closer today, I just want to ask you this question.